the best ball playoffs are getting close. So we're back here at Spike Week, Monday Night Best Ball, breaking everything down. What's happened up until up until this point? Coping with all of our injuries, praying for our live teams, and figuring out what we might need to win some of these best ball tournaments with just one week left in the regular season. Myself, Eric Bynford, and Rob Coakley, we're going to dive in right now with you on Monday Night Best Ball. All right, Rob, it's been a minute. I'm excited. I was to be gonna back. introduce myself to you. Yeah, hello. My name's Rob. Stranger friend. Yes. Rob Coakley. I just know him as King Coakley via the interwebs. But I am excited to be back and thank you guys for joining us. It's all a little mini hiatus hiatus. Look, I understand uh plenty of people are out there uh doing content every single day, but um we took a small little mini break during the course of the, the season. I do lots of DFS content and uh, sports betting content and the radio and all sorts of fun stuff. And so I, I sort of let Rob kind of run the show there for uh, for a, a few weeks. And we are back because the playoffs are about to be here. The fantasy playoffs, the best ball playoffs. If you play on FFPC, I guess you've kind of already been a little bit in the playoffs. But where it really counts for us in all of our best ball tournaments, it's it's about here. There's one more week. We got one more week to pray that some of our teams that are outside of advancing somehow sneak their way up into it. Although, uh, Rob, I, what I want to start with is the typical cliche that everyone says, uh, oh, my gosh, this year it feels like the injuries are so much worse than every single other year. But what I will say is, um, A, it does feel that way. Uh, so I am a walking cliche. I am that cliche. But I also think this year in particular – it has just felt like at, we can't get out of a, a single week without someone going down to a, a long-term or season-ending injury. And it always seems to be very, very like impactful players and not just impactful players like you know that individual player, uh, Mike Williams, right, goes down early in the year. But like a lot of these guys have like this cascading effect to the whole best ball kind of experience where, you know, so all the way from like Aaron Rodgers and J.K. Dobbins in week one, Aaron Rodgers in particular, people that drafted him are very, are not, are not feeling very good, right? When he goes down, but then you have people who drafted Garrett Wilson and Brees Hall based on the fact that Aaron Rodgers would be there. The whole yeah. reason why you drafted them was that they would be here, right? Then Joe Burrow goes down. The whole reason why you draft Jamar Chase is not just Jamar Chase, but you didn't draft Jamar Chase would not be the 102 if Jake Browning was the quarterback, right? And we knew that right. Jake Browning was the quarterback. There's been so many of these injuries like that, of course, to quarterbacks. Um, I know what there's the stack going around that this year, like uh, just two fewer quarterbacks or something like that have played, but it's the quarterback play is so bad across the league now that it feels to me like. Quarterback play is so bad. We're having so many injuries to running backs, wide receivers, tight ends. But then even the guys that are left standing, right? Like, do you feel good about having Garrett Wilson? 
do you feel good about having Saquon Barkley? Do you feel good about having, you know, uh, a lot of these guys that have also been impacted, right? Joe Mixon, Joe Mixon was struggling to get there with Joe Burrow. Is Joe Mixon going to be the guy with Jake Browning? And as this team continues to lose, there's just so much to kind of start to take in that I'm sure everybody feels like this, but I certainly do. As I scroll through my teams, even the ones that are advancing or scoring a bunch of points, I'm still looking at them like, is this one really like, is this really going to win best ball mania? Is this really going to win the DraftKings Millie? And I find very, very few of them to be ones where uh, I'm, I'm super duper excited about. But when you do find that one, it feels like, okay, this is what I did this whole, this is what I wasted all this time for that. I navigated all these injuries and I have 18 live players and some of them are pretty exciting or whatever. So it's this weird balancing act. I feel like at this exact you know point in time during the season. It also might be why you don't lend yourself to drafting one specific type of build, right? Because if if you went just mid QBs this year, for example, if you were like I'm, and I'm not even just saying the elite QBs because you know who I am, I'm all about the elite QBs. But if you tried to go, if you tried to say I'm going to take the middle of the road quarterbacks, the guys that are getting drafted in the eighth to the tenth round, that's going to be like my sweet spot for QBs. I'm not going to do the elite QBs. I'm not going to do the punt QBs, right? <laughs> Your advance rate is probably decimated right now. Unless you just locked into Tua and Dak Prescott, then that's the only time that you're really looking great. And I don't think anyone was like, I have to draft these two guys. Russ as well. Russ is having a very okay season. But for the most part, you're like you're losing Anthony Richardson. You're losing – you're losing – Kirk Cousins was a big one that got Daniel lost. His advance rate, Daniel Jones, right? Like Deshaun Watson, who wasn't having a great season, but was still in that range. So if you were very heavily drafting mid-round QBs, your teams are probably dusted, right? And maybe that's a lesson for me for other things, because I went heavily elite QB right this year. What happens if only three quarterbacks get hurt next year, and it's Lamar, Hurt, and Mahomes, I would right. I'd be I'd have to sell my dog, probably. <laughs> That's probably where I'd have to be right now. So it's I'm never gonna be a guy that's gonna be eight percent, everything needs to be balanced type of guy. But I think what I'm learning this year is reining it in on on certain situations. I think I got two in over my skis on JK Dobbins. As much as I loved him, as much as I thought he was a value. I get over my skis on it, right? <laughs> I think we, I think the other thing that we can bring up, uh, other than injuries, and we can hold this if you'd like, but we, we got to learn that even the smartest people in the room suck at player evaluation. <laughs> they just, they're just bad at it. People that I respect are bad at it. How many times this year have you heard that Kyron Williams is not a good football player? Right? Kyron Williams, he's not going to be a good football player. He's not this. He's not that. He's not the other thing. Same guys, same exact guys. And I'm not pointing you out, Eric, because you've never were like this on Kyron. But it's the same guys that were like Rashad Penny's a smash in the 12th round <laughs> because of his player profile, because of the type of player he is. He's a smash. He's just, he's funny, a, you, funny you bring up two of my highest owned players who could you possibly get more like opposite ends of the one guy's not even active on game days <laughs> and the other guy is like basically the biggest hit of the entire draft season really funny just smashing right like hiring smashing but we and people are still saying Kyron Williams is not a good football player looks fucking good to me sorry for swearing 
Looks pretty good to me. Looks yeah, well, like we, he... we do have to adjust. I feel like uh, it's already cut you off, but the the whole like he's not a good football player. I do think um, the player evaluation thing um, requires like not a reset, but a little bit of a of a reset. In that sometimes I think we do the he's not a good football player and like judge it based on kind of flashiness a little mm-hmm. bit, right? Like he's not a good football player because he doesn't play like Adrian Peterson, right? Or right. He, he doesn't hit home runs like Brees Hall, Brees Hall does yeah. or, or yeah. something like that. And look, I love Brees and I do think Brees is very, is very good. And I drafted a, a lot of Brees partially because I think he's good. But there's also like different varying types of good, yeah. right? Like, yeah. like uh, Larry Fitzgerald was a very different kind of good compared to Jerry Rice. But they were both very good. And I'm not trying to say Kyron Williams is Larry Fitzgerald, but like stylistically – Kyron Williams is a very different kind of running back. I totally understand that, you know, he does require volume, right? And he requires to be in a situation that can allow him to kind of get some of these goal line touchdowns, which of course he's going to get playing with Matthew Stafford. But like, that's also part of the point. You, you, you have to be a certain level of good to earn that role and never come off the field for Sean McVay, right? Like Cam Akers, people thought some people thought was good, could never earn that role. Right. Second round pick, uh, more highly drafted, more highly touted prospect. Daryl Henderson, uh, you know, can't even stay on the team with the Rams. And so uh, we'll talk more, of course, over the course of the offseason, kind of about the like player takes player evaluations and all that kind of stuff. But I think this year, one thing that was to your point, um, Kyron, Tank Dell, Josh Downs, two, two to a much, much, much lesser extent. But like some of these guys that were viewed as like, you know, they're tweeners or they're too small or they're too slow or they're not explosive enough. Like there are different kinds of good and Kyron is still good. He just may not be good in the way that like you always want your running back to be good. Like, of course, if I had a dream, I would want all my running backs to look and run like Adrian Peterson and right. catch like Christian McCaffrey. But like right. they, they don't have to be like that to be a really good fantasy asset. And we saw that with, uh, I guess we can sort of use that as a segue into a tank Dell, right? Tank Dell is very, very, very good, but he's five, eight, 170 pounds. Right. Mm-hmm. And, and not, not that fast. He's fast, but not, you know, he's not a, you know, Taekwon Thornton ran a four, two, uh, right? Like he's not that fast. And so I think it's going to be important, you know, when we get to the off season to think through some of that player evaluation and what does it mean to be good? Right. Because I think we have an idea once we've seen the production, whether it's good or not. But like, what does it mean to be, you know, that unproven guy? And how do we assess whether he's good? Right. Like, I think some people thought Samir White was good and Samir White might stink. And those people also might have thought Kyron Williams was bad. And Kyron Williams also is probably good. So, like, figuring all that out is super interesting. Yeah. And we're not going to hit 100 percent on this every year. I mean, Uncle Andy brings up one of my big misses. Isaiah Pacheco was a smash at his ADP. He's crushing. I wasn't taking Pacheco. Literally, for the multiple reasons, this is a bad miss by me in particular. This is probably, I mean, I have misses, right? You bring up Tank Dell. I drafted some Tank Dell. I wasn't crazy overweight on him. Like, he wasn't someone that jumped out to me. But Isaiah Pacheco kind of checks a lot of the boxes for players that I was looking for, what I'm looking for in that range. And I miss it. And yeah, it's partially because he runs like an aardvark. Like, I I don't know. Like, it's part that, but he's on an offense that we thought was going to be more explosive than they are. He was definitely going to be the lead running back for that particular team. Were we ever really worried about Jarek McKinney or Clyde Edwards-Hilaire? 
Not really, right? So why am I underweight on a player like that that was getting drafted, what, eighth round, I want to say, off the top of my head, somewhere yep. in that in that wheelhouse? Why mm-hmm. am I underweight on that guy? Because I wanted the Chiefs passing game? I had, what, 23% Patrick Mahomes? That means 77% of my teams didn't have Patrick Mahomes. Why couldn't I put Pacheco on a couple of those teams? So mm-hmm. gigantic miss by me. Gigantic Plus- miss. Uh, what I will say about that as well, something that I find interesting that I actually thought a little bit about today from a strategic perspective was uh, something that I talked with um, Crane about on legend on one of the episodes of Legendary Sickos over the course of the summer where we were talking through, like, how do you get leverage in these best ball? Tri- like, we, you know, if you play DFS, but of course, if you, um, you know, have listened to us, we talk about, right, leverage and uniqueness and ownership and all those kind of things because we're trying to not only you know draft the good players and advance teams but once i get to that end goal once i get to that week 17 how do i have a team that i'm not just like praying i have all the right players for that week right which of course is generally what i'm doing but how do i when i'm drafting manufacture potential leverage that I know I'll have some kind of leverage when I get to that week 17. It may not be the leverage that I want or need, but I can manufacture something during the draft that says, all right, if things go according to plan for this team, right? I draft like I'm right. I've manufactured one of Ch- uh, Jamar Chase or T Higgins are probably going to be low owned in this, in this final. I don't know mm-hmm. which one, but if I've gotten there, right, they, they both can't probably go completely nuclear in week 15 and 16, but both of them at the same time in both weeks, and they probably both can't go completely nuclear the whole season. So just the way I've set this team up, one of them has to be low, and maybe I even put Joe Mixon on that team, right? And it's like the pass game and Joe Mixon, they can't all be the nuts in week 15 and week 16, and maybe they can be okay over the course of the season, but I bring along Joe Mixon. Right into your example, I'm going to go heavy on the Chiefs and I'm going to go heavy on Patrick Mahomes. I'm going to bring along Isaiah Pacheco on some of these teams mm-hmm. and say, okay, I got Brock Purdy as my QB2 with, with Patrick Mahomes. In week 16, Purdy is going to be, is going to have a 30 point game or whatever, right? Purdy to Kittle is going to be the, the stack I need in week 16. And Mahomes actually maybe has a dud, but it's because Pacheco scored three touchdowns. Now I show up to the final and I got 2% owned Patrick Mahomes, right? Give me that 2% owned Patrick Mahomes and Rashi Rice. And I've manufactured myself a low owned chief stack in week 17, just because I was like, what if this scenario plays out, right? Hey, we know it's good. I'm load up on the chiefs. That sounds good, but yeah. I've manufactured this way for me to get leverage. And so just, we're going to spitball like tons of different ideas, of course, uh, leading up, uh, leading up to throughout the playoffs. And of course, during the off season, but these are all things that I'm really at, like you said, as injuries have piled up as guys have really started to break out. Of course, Pacheco is fresh on mind, uh, from, from last night, but like, as all these things happen, I think it's important to think them through and figure out maybe where some misses are, but it's also important to just evaluate like, was it a miss? How much of a miss was it? Was it variance? Was it? And like, we're in that part where I think we're all doing that, right? We're looking at lots of dead teams or we're looking at mistakes we made in our portfolio and trying to figure out exactly where we might've went wrong. And how many dead teams are going to get to the playoffs and just be dead right off the rip, right? Like there's going to be quite a few. I mean, obviously contest contest specific, but I guarantee there's going to be teams that get through with, if they're lucky one quarterback, at this point and there's going to be teams with no tight ends because the tight end positions kind of drying up 
a little bit as well, where some of the draft picks that you might have taken, we were drafting Greg Dolchich in whatever round, right? <laughs> has, he, has he touched the, even the practice field this year? Like, I mean, he got in one game, I think, and but he's on teams. Irv Smith is on teams. You could have dragged some of these teams with another tight end. Like if you did it with Luke Musgrave and now he's out and you're getting to the, the thing, you get into the dance, right? Your Your team's dead. And the other thing I've learned this year is just trying to draft within the structure of the tournament more so yes. than I have before. I'm learning. I'm not going to like get killed on drafters, but I think I really leaked on that site in particular. Shout out to drafters for the shirt, by the way. Um, I don't think I played my best tournament strategy in that particular in any of their tournaments. I have some teams surging now. Maybe we get there. Maybe we don't. Regardless of if I do or not, I don't think I played it well. Just straight up. I don't think I played drafters well. I think I played underdog relatively the way I wanted to. Things are breaking kind of the way I want to for those tournaments. I think, I think to your point, my live teams that are going to be in the playoffs are going to be all the way live for the most part mm-hmm. because of players that I drafted with the exception of, I mean – Dobbins is like the one guy that I might drag to some of these teams, but I mean, I I just feel like my underdog teams are relatively live. That doesn't mean they're all going to get through to week, you know, 17 or anything like that, but I feel like they're stronger than the field consensus of teams could mean nothing. And I think DraftKings, I did, I, I was relatively strong there as well, but I really leaked in super flex contests this year. I was real bad at those. I have one super team that I don't know how the hell I drafted this team. looks really <laughs> nice, but one team doesn't make up for the other 50 that you drafted that look like dog shit. Like you don't know what you're doing. Right. So you can still, you can draft bad and still have outliers that are good, but there are certain contests that I just did not draft. Well, and if we're going to say any contest in particular that I drafted poorly. It's the weekly winners one by hmm. far, <clears throat> by far. I did not, and I knew it when I was drafting them is the problem, right? Like as I was drafting weekly winners, I'm like, I am not giving myself enough thought into this. So realizing what tournament you're in, you know, some of them I did great in, like we said, the Mastiff, we just locked up basically our week advancing. We're getting our money back in that. And I think I played that one really smart. Like if you go back, you can watch all the drafts on that. I was getting yelled at by everyone in the comments. But about that team, that team has Debo. That team has Nico Collins. That team has Kyron Williams. That team has um, Trey McBride, George Kittle, right? The the Brees Hall, like that. The running backs on this team are absolutely phenomenal. And some of those later wide receivers are hitting, like Nico Collins, like Rasheed mm-hmm. Rice, right? And that was all part of the of the strategy. And if I went to QBs on that particular team, remember, this is a, stru- a structure that advances six out of 12 from the first round. So we're not playing best ball mania rules. So I drafted one quarterback, and that one quarterback literally allowed me to get Kyron Williams and Trey McBride. Otherwise, I wouldn't have them if I drafted one of the other quarterbacks. Right? So yep. understanding your contest is something that I'm learning heavily this year. I, I always know it. You always hear it. It's always drilled into your head. But looking through, to your point, some of these different contests, I'm like, here's what I did wrong on this specific group of players, and I'm going to be taking that into next year. 
Yeah, see, I think <clears throat> what you just said is really the some of the most important stuff and the things that actually are the most impactful when we reach this point and in, on into the off season, but also the things that people talk about the least. Um, that tends to be the case in <laughs> any kind of like peer to peer peer to peer gambling venture. Everybody uh, blames their you know player picks or variance as opposed as opposed to kind of assessing some of the actual nuanced parts of the process. But I th- I think that we get because the players and the the binary results of individual players drive the outcomes of all of this right over the course of the season your player gets hurt or he's a, or he doesn't and they're all about the same you know to varying degrees they're all about the same probability to get hurt and so it's a little bit of luck of course in terms of who gets hurt and how much you drafted of them it is above and beyond that binary results in terms of who has a good season and who doesn't and some of that was a little bit easier to see coming and some of it was not and then even further right you got to get through to the playoff weeks and in particular in week 17 and you have to score points in one individual week uh, which is extreme variant levels of variance and so i think people will do one of two things they will throw it aside and say oh the bills the Bills uh, Bengals game got canceled, and Mike Evans scored five, four touchdowns or whatever. And oh, how the, you know, whatever. I don't know. You know, uh, it, it's just variance. And I do lean a little bit more to that, to that direction, generally speaking. But I think you can play into it from a strategy perspective. But then on the flip side, people will do the, I should have known about this player, or I knew about this player, or I told you about this player, or everything is very, we saw the results. I, I should have known or I did know. And that can be true at times, right? It feels really good when a player you drafted really heavily does well. And it feels really bad when a player you drafted really heavily does poorly or gets hurt. But I was actually talking to Corrine a little bit earlier, uh, pretty much right before this this show, where we talked, we actually brought up J.K. Dobbins and uh both he and I said, uh, I went actually, you know, really, really heavy on J.K. Dobbins, and he went pretty heavy on J.K. Dobbins. But he, we were, we were talking about kind of this exact process that that we're, uh, we've brought up here, and he mentions how, despite the fact that J.K. Dobbins got hurt and was basically a zero, right? Shout out to him for like eleven fantasy points in week one before he went down. That's a that's a real soldier, uh, you know. It, uh, at least providing you a usable week before he his careers before his career is over and your best ball season is over. But he's you know even though he did nothing, he was a zero, right, and got hurt right away. He's like, I am kind of mad at myself for not drafting more of him. And it's you know you see the Ravens season play out. You yeah. see Gus Edwards smash. You see Justice Hell had the week one smash. You see Keaton Mitchell, who is good lord, man. Like yeah. uh, that dude is shot out of a freaking cannon. And if they give him more touches, he's going to have some monster games, right? But all of this is to say, if J.K. Dobbins were healthy, all the idiots letting this dude fall to like the eighth round on DraftKings should be t- t- taken out to pasture, and they, you should be done with best ball, right? But we'll look back. And J.K. Dobbins was a zero. He's, you know, he's a he looks in the results like a terrible pick. And it's like it, it, even Corrine was like, I wish I would have pressed that edge a little bit more in terms of I wish I, I think J.K. Dobbins was one of the biggest edges in all of drafts. And I think actually the results, despite the fact that he 
has done nothing have played out to show that he was one of the biggest edges in all in all of drafts now you can debate that and that's fine we're just using one specific example that is of course debatable and just to be clear when i say i wish i drafted less of him i was at 33 34 percent i still would have liked to have had him at like 3x at like 24 percent Right. right. I just think I went a little too much with it. Like, and it's not results oriented. It's looking back at some players that, and maybe, I, maybe Crane's bringing up a point that maybe I did make the right play here, but continue. But it's a good example, I think, of assessing not just the results and, and trying to set aside. Well, like, dude, we get to this point, especially like we're going to get to week 17 and we're, we're going to have very different, like once the results play out, right. We're going to have different conversations because you're either going to have a big payday or you're not, or you're not. And so the emotions will, will feel a little bit different and will be swayed based on what happened in week 17. But we reached this point where we're almost to the playoffs. We pretty much know, right. Like about how many teams we're going to advance. I'm praying who knew that the uh, commanders by week was going to be so impactful for me in in week 14 and and, uh, it is so i'm praying you know to hold on to as many teams as i can while i've been counting on freaking sam howell to carry me but going back and and not just being like that guy whiffed i was wrong or that guy hit and i was right but going back and really like assessing the whole the whole process of how you came to that decision, right? And so, like, for me, I have shitty advance rates pretty much everywhere. I, I think I'll do all right on drafters. I'm not going to, like, win the thing or have any, a super-duper big score because I've fallen back a little bit. But, like, I'll do fine on drafters. Uh, I'm going to be, I think, under expectation uh, across the board on underdog and on DraftKings from from an advance rate perspective. And yet, and, and I've been over, ever since this whole best ball game started, I've been way over expectation on advancing. I've made money. I've had some really good sweats. I've mm-hmm. had some some big hits on some individual players. And this year will be the worst advance rate and probably the worst, you know, minimum cash that I bring back relative to the amount of money that I that I put in. And yet I actually think it's one of the better processes I put into play because I did what you said. I went into each tournament and I tried to play that tournament the way that I thought that tournament needed needed to be played. And I went in and I assessed the edges that I thought thought were there. And all, all those edges are, are totally debatable. So like I said, I'm not saying that I'm right, but I stuck to my gut. Part of why I have so much J.K. Dobbins is because I thought he was a good pick when he was going in like the, f- the fourth round and the dude ends in like the eighth round. And I yeah. just bought, I just kept buying, I, you know, I kept buying the dip and buying the dip and buying the dip. So you, you, you go from 20%, like you said, to 45 or whatever. I took I took big stands on a lot of different guys and I'm okay with that. And and I'm 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 okay finishing below expectation from an advance rate perspective because it, it's almost like it's a little bit of the tax you pay to find those those teams when you're right about something. You don't have to be right about everything. Like you said, Rashad Penny, what a fucking L. I mean my God, what an L, right? Damien Harris was was an L regardless, but then he get you know he suffers a serious neck injury. Like there's so many. Uh, Rashad Bateman is truly useless. Go to the CFL, please. Like get out of my life. Uh, th- like there's still there's, time, there's, Eric. I'm still th- yeah, that's the one. I'm still he is crossed. technically not dead. Right? He is healthy, and Mark Andrews is out, so you can tell yourself a story about about Rashad he's Bateman. Only but, mostly dead. Yeah, yeah. He's he is kind of dead. Um, he's the walking dead. Uh, he is, you know, these guys were huge whiffs and 
I'm, I will, of course, continue to evaluate the process of like those individual players and how much of the stand I took and all that. But like, I go back and I'm like, would I make most of those bets again? Yeah. And part of, part of it is because that mindset leads you to, uh, uh, again, using apparently Kareem is top of mind, but they, the, they talked, uh, he had a dynasty, I think, uh, round table with Kyle Dvorak and, uh, uh, Daniel, I forget what, uh, uh, what Dan's last name is, but anyway, uh, it was really, really good. And they, they talked about Adam Thielen and they talked about how they whiffed on Adam Thielen. Right. And now it's looking a little better now that we didn't draft any Adam Thielen cause he turned back into a pumpkin, but like Adam, they call it Adam Thielen is the tax you pay when you play the game like we play it. And that's a little bit how I feel like J.K. Dobbins was an injury, but like Dame, Bateman, Penny are were the tax I paid because of the way that I play it to get Kyron and to get Howell and to get some of like to get these guys, right? To get Chuba and to get Jalen Warren and to get hopefully Tyje Spears and to get right to get Puka to get those guys, mm-hmm. sometimes you have to pay a tax. You're not going to hit everything. We can't be, we can't all be Felix from two years ago or whatever, where every player he drafted at 50% was literally the stone cold nuts. Sometimes you do, you have to be able to like be comfortable being wrong, but knowing that there's like a, a you know, there's, there's a, a light at the end of the tunnel, there's treasure at the end of the rainbow. And I, I, as of right now, like I, I'm continuing, like I said, to assess that process, but I feel okay. I, I don't feel perfect. I don't think, I certainly don't think I did everything perfect. That is for sure. But I think the things that like you outlined that I feel the most uh, uncomfortable about what I did are more so related to, should I play this tournament a little bit differently? Should I have constructed my rosters a little bit differently? Should I have right the combinations of players? Did I do that well enough? Right. Did I stack well enough? Should I have done more of the onslaughts that I talked about? Should I have done less? Mm-hmm. Should I have done more of the two a double stacks? Because some of my best teams are Tyreek Waddle in the first two rounds with with Tua. Should I have done more of those? Should I have done less? Right. That, that has nothing to do with the fact that Tyreek Hill is a monster smash. That has to do with the fact of all these little these the small micro levers that I'm trying to pull. And I think we it's important to, to me personally. But I think to if you're one of the sickos following us, watching us, hanging out with us in the discord that like that's where we hang our hat, man. Like, honestly, I know the player stuff is, it's, it's important, of course. And that's ultimately where the money is won. The players are the chess pieces, but like, it's a lot of variance, dude. It is with, with the individual players. And like I said, sometimes you can be right and be wrong. Last year, were you right or wrong about Brees Hall and Javante Williams? I don't know. I think you were right if you drafted mm-hmm. them, but you were wrong. JK Dobbins. I think I was right about JK Dobbins but I was right. My bank account doesn't care. Yeah. Right? My bank account doesn't care that I, that I was right about, about JK Dobbins. But like, there's no we're, you're we're, right points for these tournaments. Yeah. <laughs> I don't, I don't get to go to the bank and I say, look at all these Sklanskis. <laughs> I got 45%. I got thousands of dollars of JK Dobbins. Would you accept a donation uh, to my bank account? Obviously no, but like, we're going to take, we're going to be back doing this again in four months or five months. And like, we have to make sure that we're learning the right lessons. And so that's the thing that I've mostly been focused on right now is like learning those right lessons. And I think to go into this tax analogy that you brought up with Thielen, I think that's totally fine. I understand that point completely. I do think there's an outlying, and we were talking, me, you, and Hacker behind the scenes, trying to evaluate something for that we can possibly use next year to help with some of this stuff. And it's pulling not levers just on teams, 
but the levers you pull on certain players and what their value to the team is, right? Yes. Where Thielen, yeah, we didn't like Thielen. I didn't like Thielen. I didn't draft Thielen. But let's look at a guy that like Adam Thielen and Tyler Boyd, right? I know it's not a one-for-one analogy, but I like to sort of call them like the comfort food of drafts where when you're drafting a Tyler Boyd or, or Adam Thielen, it's comfort food because you know, the name it's comfortable because he's been there for you before, right? This is a comfortable player for you to draft. And you know what? Tank Dell is not a comfortable player for you to draft. Puka Nakua was not a comfortable. And if you say he is, you're full of shit, right? <laughs> no, like, he, he wasn't comfortable for fucking anybody. And no. I have my fair share. Yeah. <laughs> no, no, but that's why these guys get pushed up the board to these 12th round ADPs and stuff. But there is a difference between Adam Thielen and Tyler Boyd, where this is a very small one. And I'm not saying this should have got you overweight on Adam Thielen, but maybe this gets you to three or 4% Adam Thielen and helps your advance rates, right? For the, that stretch that he went on. The Panthers paid him money. They paid him some guaranteed money. They believed that he was going to be a player for them this year and next year at least, right? So this year in particular, maybe we should have been like, okay, he's too old. That's an X out. He's on the Carolina Panthers, another X out. But And we start Xing out these levers and we get to this one where we're like, but he has this guaranteed money. Maybe I still want to have him as one of my like three to 4% guys or my two to 3% guys. Maybe I don't want to X him out completely. Whereas like Tyler Boyd, where are the levers that we want to, we want to pull on him, right? Like, and I like Tyler Boyd. I drafted more Tyler Boyd than I drafted Adam Thielen. That is for sure. I don't even have to look at the percentages. I know that's a fact, <laughs> yeah, right. right? So it's a comfort food thing, but there's no discernible like, other the only good lever for him was that he was on the Bengals, which we thought was going to be a good team. We thought they were going to be an explosive offense and that he might carry you a few weeks during the year. Like he not even carry you, like he's not gonna have an explosion game by any means, but he might be have a usable week for you here and there to he pops up for that hundred yard touch one touchdown game like every you know every single year it yeah. never you can never predict it. <laughs> like, no. Don't play him in DFS, but like you said, he, he pops up once or twice a year. I agree. But he's a comfort food name. You know the name. Everyone knows Tyler Boyd. Overpriced every year as well. To that, every to the year. to your to your example or to your point that you made earlier, and like the comfort food thing is so true. Mm-hmm. He's on the Bengals. He's had some good games. He is Tyler Boyd. So he just you're you're paying a tax in the opposite direction of what I was talking. You're paying a premium on him because of all of those things. When I want to pay the premium on the name, right? Like I'll pay the premium on Jamar chase. Like until the day that he's like out of the league because he's fucking Jamar chase, right. not because, not because he's on the Bengals and you know, I can pipe dream about uh, the two games a year that he does well. Yeah. He's catching balls that are getting deflected by 15 guys and still coming down with it. That's the only way that Browning can get him the football. And yet he still does it. He still catches. He had caught two of those last time. So the point being is we have these comfort food players we got to get off of them. Like I have to get off of them too. Like, and I I'll never be a hundred percent getting off of them. We're all going to fall into these little bit of traps. Uh, There's a couple guys that I didn't want to draft that I got scared about. I got scared about JSN because of how I couldn't stop hearing his name. Right. Like all you heard was JSN, JSN, JSN. And in the beginning, I kind of dug my heels in. I'm like, 
This guy's going in this range of drafts. He's got DK Metcalf, Tyler Lockett ahead of him on a team that does not like to throw the football if they do not have to. Geno Smith was fine for a bit last year. He's decent as a quarterback. I see a lot of red flags with this pick, and all I kept hearing was his skill. And so I got scared into drafting more JSN than I wanted to draft, personally, because I'm like, I can't be the guy that misses out. I don't (laughs) want to be the guy to plant my flag on not drafting JSN. Right. And I kind of should have, I mean, this is like an outlier, but like, I should have, I should have listened to my gut on this one a little bit more. So I will say, I I agree with you. Sorry. I was just going to say on that point is also another good one because we disagree on, on JSN. But what I will say exactly what you were trying to, to outline is something that I think that I did better this year. Not perfect, but, but better is blocking out, that uh, that other noise like i did believe in jsn i uh, i respect what rob has to say i will listen to what rob has to say mm-hmm. but is like i'll take it in and i'll process it and if it doesn't sway me i'm not gonna let just because rob said it and i respect rob's opinion doesn't mean I, i'm gonna let it sway my actual drafts right i, I mentioned kareen it's really i i pat kareen's one of the people i listen to the most in like all of fantasy football he, him and I argued for hours on end over the summer about fucking Sam Howell. If I had listened yeah. to him, I would not be, I, I mean, I can only imagine what my teams would look like if I gave, <laughs> if I gave on Sam Howell, because my teams are so bad that he's the, like, one of the only good things that I, I have going for me. But to that end, it doesn't mean you don't listen to the other smart people. And it doesn't mean you don't take in the information and process it, but you had a, an opinion about this and you for no reason other than I don't know these other people do sometimes know sometimes know what they're talking about and I respect them so ah do I do I really want to go against it because they're making a, a decent case when you didn't believe it you didn't believe it and it's mm-hmm. like the whole point of who's right and who's wrong is nonsense that's why what I was talking about earlier throw that shit out the window but the process of how you land, on, on those picks, like you should not have gone back on, on JSN if you didn't believe it. Now, if someone brings you the JSN case and you say, you know, I haven't thought about it that way. Those are very good points. And I, I do think I should correct it. But if you do it just because you're like, yeah, a bunch of people keep talking about this guy and he's supposed yeah. to be really good. That's not a reason, right? That that's, that's, I mean, it might be a reason if you, you know, are just playing this really casually and want to follow along with people by all means, but not for you. That was not the right decision for you. No, and it was wrong. I, that's, it's it, every decision should be each person processing that decision, right? The people, people listening in this chat, we appreciate you hanging out with us and watching us, but I don't think you should take every word that I say, right. And say, yeah, Eric says JSN is really good. I'm gonna drop the shit out of JSN, right? No, you need to figure it out for yourself as well. And so like, that's, that's the stuff, like that's the stuff we have to figure out is when, when do you take that thing in? And say, okay, I do need to course correct a little bit because these points about JSN are really good. When do you take that in? You say, I respect you. I understand why you're drafting JSN, but I don't agree. And I'm not going to do it. And make sure you, you, you know, you, you tow that line, you stay that course. And I, it's tough. It's, it's, it's really hard. Yeah. It's really, really hard. There was two guys for me this year that were like that in particular. It was JSN and it was Darren Waller. And I went two different ways with it. Uh, JSN, and I didn't go overweight JSN because I still had, and I'm I'm kind of fine with the way I played it where I just kind of hit that 8% or a little bit less of JSN. And I'm like, I'm kind of fine with that. 
in in theory. I, maybe I should have went. I should have leaned in a little more. I don't think I should have had zero. Is what I will say right now. I don't think I should have had zero JSN, but maybe four percent, right? Like maybe he should have right. been. He should have been a guy that I'm like I'll sprinkle him in here and there. Darren it's Waller, Adam, I couldn't. Be Adam, sold it's on. your Adam Thielen. It's your Adam Thielen. Sorry again, but it's the same thing as your Adam Thielen thing. You know, vastly different reasons why you land there. <clears throat> but you're saying, you know, uh, maybe I uh, there there was a. a a, a valid reason to have in, on certain teams to have Adam Thielen on that team. So you end up with 3% instead of 0%. The JSN can be the same thing. There are certain teams where you start, you start a robust team and you take Mahomes on that, right? You, mm-hmm. you know, or God forbid you have Mahomes, Kelsey with running back starts. You need some juice at yeah. wide receiver. Yep. You need some late season upside at wide receiver. So like, Okay, maybe JSN. I, I, like, I need to hit a home run. I don't need Deontay Johnson. <laughs> on the, you know, I don't need Deontay Johnson on this team. I need a home run. So JSN, figure out where that where that chess piece fits in, as opposed to right. And I'm God knows I fall into this. Like, you just there are certain names like you just don't see them. You just don't see the names. And mm-hmm. so again, figuring out when when they're the chess piece, the three percent chess piece. When they're the absolute stone cold never draft zero percent guys, and when they're you know how you manipulate exactly how much you draft and on what teams you draft guys is like again that's that's the stuff that's that's the stuff we need to figure out yeah and in between all this in between the jsns and the adam thielens and the darren wallers i do think there's guys especially in that range that if we start talking about these levers we can easily find reasons to be zero percent on them right and being zero percent on those particular guys and um, you know, you're Tyler Boyd. I think Tyler Boyd is a great case to be 0% on Tyler Boyd. I don't think you needed to draft Tyler Boyd at all this year. I Maybe it sounds like I'm being results-oriented, but if you look back, I think the arguments for it are there to be like, I don't want Tyler Boyd. And I say this because we start talking about these other guys. We start talking about Tank Dow and Puka Nakua and Kyron Williams, and I'm going to say Keontae Ingram, right? Like, I know it hasn't worked out for him this year, but I think it's important to throw in some of the guys that it doesn't work out for, but could have. There was there was a case for Keontae Ingram at one point this season, right? Well, so, yeah, Michael Carter's going to fucking smash on the Cardinals right. as the backup running back. <laughs> like, what, right. what what has happened? So that that point being, if you're if you're xing out some of these guys, it allows you to bring up some of these other ones, right? We talked about my Mastiff team. I have Kyron Williams and Trey McBride on it. How many people have that combination of players in general because they were both 18-round picks? Who was bringing up Kyron Williams in the 17th round until the very end of the draft season, right? So mm-hmm. even when they were, like, so many teams had already been drafted already, you could have been one of the guys that was like, I'm going to bring up Kyron Williams. That way I can take Trey McBride as my third tight end, Right who was already going undrafted in general too. <laughs> so like, yep. So these are the guys that we could have, that we could have hammered on, right? Like in brought them up, tank Dell, Josh downs, like these guys. Um, I think Jaden Reed started going a little bit higher. Mingo starting to hit a little bit. He started going up a little bit. Hyatt starting to look like he has a little bit of juice going on too, yep. that we could have yep. brought up. So like, and all of these guys are young and have, outs to being the players and we see it every year we talk about it every year we're not drafting some of these guys to smash in week one we're not we're drafting them to smash post buy or post mid-season sometimes depending on where their bye week is and they start hitting 
I mean, we brought Rasheed Rice up. It was right, right? But what's the difference between Rasheed Rice and, you know, Jalen Hyatt at the time? The offense right. that they're on, I guess, maybe? Mm-hmm. Like, mm-hmm. But that's a seven-round difference between Rasheed Rice and Jalen Hyatt at the particular time when we were drafting. Not knowing what we knew, there was way more concerns with whatever the Chiefs offense was going to be. <laughs> Kadarius Tony was going six round. We had <laughs> Sky Moore going single digit rounds for a little bit. Like the Rasheed Rice pass seemed like it was a lot harder to get up, but he got there. So if we're going to feel, push- doesn't that one feel so like you look back now and you're just like, oh yeah, that was a clean path for him to get there. But all summer it was just like, I don't know. And like people didn't love Rasheed Rice as a prospect and like he was fine. Yeah. Right, but he was flawed. And it was just like, it's so funny to look back. He's such a good example of like, you see it now and you're just like, oh God, yeah, he's cl- he, he needs to play more now still. Like yeah, I can't still. believe he needs to play like 90% of snaps and he's playing yeah. like 70. But it's like, we didn't even know if he'd get on the field. Like we, we legitimately did. Like Richie James hasn't done anything, mm-hmm. but like I, I really liked Richie James because of all this that we're talking about here. And we look back and it looks, this is such a good example of, it looks like, oh yeah. Rushy Rice, what do you mean? Second round pick, Chiefs. His only competition was Tony and Sky Moore and MVS. Like, of course, he's a smash. What do you mean? Of course. But like, you didn't know that in July. No. You didn't. Nobody did. Nobody did. And the Chiefs you didn't know. I think I knew did. with how much I have, but yeah. you, no, I did not know. <laughs> but the Chiefs didn't know because he. Right. Why wasn't he playing so much earlier in the year if the Chiefs knew that he was the guy? Right? You know. Yeah, I mean, but if we're gonna, but we still had him high. He was still going higher than a lot of these other rookie wide receivers. And it's like, but why? But why? And it's working out. But we could have been on Puka. We could have been on Downs. We could have been on Tank Dell, right? We didn't like the Texans offense in general. I didn't. I I, I stand by some of the the biases I had against the Texans offense. CJ Stroud is having the best rookie quarterback season of all time. Like, in my opinion. I don't think there's been a rookie quarterback season that's been better than C.J. Stroud's. There's some that are okay, but he's he looks like a seasoned vet out there. Yep. Who the hell could have predicted that? In general, rookie quarterbacks suck. Look at look at Jordan Love, right? Jordan Love, this is his 15th season in the league. The first season <laughs> he gets to start, right? And he looked like ass for three quarters of the season so far. It looks like he's finally putting it together. But he's been around the NFL for years and years, and he still needed a learning curve here to start putting it together against it. And if he keeps it or not, we don't know. But Stroud looks like he's going to keep it. Stroud, Stroud is just the real deal, man. Like I'm yep. willing to stamp that. I'm not. I know I'm not being like <laughs> crazy by saying that. Or yeah, one of the only yeah. ones. The rookie of the year has it locked up, and uh, I think we all. Yeah, I think we all. We all know. I am interested. Just a quick aside on Stroud. Mm-hmm. Without Tank. Um, Tank's our best player, other than Stroud. Yeah, I know. I know Nico has been good and just popped off for freaking two hundred yards yeah. uh, yesterday, which was wild. Um, but I, I, you know, there was a, a long conversation again. I don't want to rehash this one about Justin Herbert and exactly how good Justin Herbert is and the Chargers and and all that yeah. kind of nonsense. But people are so quick to say, "Well, Justin Herbert hasn't had any weapons, right? They've all been hurt," which is malarkey keenan allen's missed like 
seven total games over the last over Justin Herbert's whole career. I really don't want to hear about um, the lack of weapons. I know Mike Will's been hurt, but he's had Austin Eckler, right? He's had, imagine what some of these teams would like. Mac Jones is like, what do you mean? Justin Herbert doesn't have any weapons. <laughs> like, Buddy, I'm throwing to Tyquan Thornton and pop Douglas. And like, like, I don't want to hear about lack of weapons, but it's getting thin for CJ Stroud and tank Dell was their best player. And like he was a like Tankdale wasn't just good for similar to how Stroud is not just good for a rookie. Stroud is just good for an NFL quarterback. Tankdale was not just good for a rookie. Tankdale was just good for an NFL wide receiver. He was right. like a really, really good wide receiver. Legit. So you remove that. Nico's good. Is Nico like carrying an NFL offense to the playoffs, even with good quarterback play? I, you know, I don't know about that. I think I think he's good. Noah Brown, you know, coming back should should help. But I, I I'm I'm fascinated to see down the stretch here because like people will make that case a lot about like, Oh, when we, when we throw a bone to the quarterback, it's like, Oh, he didn't have any weapons. Right. And sometimes that's true. Sometimes quarterbacks are missing weapons and that is the problem, but also like Patrick Mahomes won a super bowl throwing to a bunch of corpses. And we're seeing that those guys are corpses. Now look at all of them. None of them are, are on the field for the, for the chiefs. The ones that are back are not playing. And the one that left can't get on the field for the fucking Patriots. <laughs> so Speaking like, of he, which see the 2006 Patriots as well. Yeah. A hundred percent. Exactly. And so anyway, long winded way of saying, I'm very, very interested to see what happens with Stroud down the stretch. And of course, you know, tank tank was, um, I think tank and Kyron, were you know for sure tank because he he was healthy uh all all season up until this week you know just you it doesn't get more home run from a fantasy pick really than than tank Dell and, and kyron williams and it just sucks man it really really sucks for everybody if you did pack your bags like i feel trust me i feel for you we've all been there it's it's really really brutal and for it to happen right before the fantasy playoffs is really like just a real swift kick to the to the groin but i it's not over and you know if you have texan stacks the positive thing about hitting on someone like tank or like kyron or like josh downs or like puka or whatever is they were very late picks um and so if you happen to to construct a roster around them they helped you probably carry that team to the playoffs now, if you can get somebody else to step up, you know, if you if you have a Stroud, Nico, Tank team, right? Maybe Dalton Schultz is on there or something too. Um, you're okay. Like it's not over. You're uh, you're very annoyed and and angry, but it's not over. And there are so. I was going through some of my teams this afternoon. I I have almost none with the full roster on any site, on any tournament, on any site. And I drafted. Um, uh, I, I should have uh, redid the math, but you know, like we're, we approached a thousand teams, yeah. <laughs> you know, we approached a thousand teams and I have almost none with the full roster. So like if you're sitting there looking at your teams triggered and tilted because you know, you go through it and there's, there's dead spots everywhere. Know that that's everyone. Everyone is, is, is dealing with that. And even the teams that you run into in the playoffs that do have full teams, like three duds, from some of their guys and you can beat them. You know, this game's crazy. This game's absolutely crazy. I'll keep telling the story until the cows come home. The best best ball team and the best best ball sweat I've had in this entire journey was the team I drafted with Pete on Pete Overzet's uh, one of his best ball streams two years ago. 
that we got eighth in the best ball mania two finals and similar to jk dobbins this is probably why i'm biased and holding out hope for my teams it's because this is jk dobbins all over again but we drafted a zero running back team raheem mostert on the 49ers was our first running back drafted in, i believe in the eighth round uh seventh or eighth or eighth round and uh he got hurt on the first drive of the season <laughs> so um it's not over we nearly won best ball. You know, we were right there to win best ball mania and our first running back that we drafted. And we only drafted six. So we only had five more. We only had five more running backs to make it through the whole season. Um, we played shorthanded and nearly won the whole thing. So it's not over. Um, even though it feels really brutal and it feels brutal for me. Like I was saying, I'm going through my teams and it, it sucks. It, it, it sucks at this point in the season, but everybody's going through it. And all it takes is one. One team is going to make your whole season. Your whole That's season right. is defined by one team. Yeah, and just for that example, I have J.K. Dobbins down on my Mastiff team where the run, the other running backs, though, are Pollard, Brees Hall, Roshan Johnson, Ty J. Spears, who might look good with the Derrick Henry stuff, and Kyron Williams. So yeah. we, we made it up, but we don't make it up if we don't have Kyron Williams there. Like yes. That was a – that pick – I'll never forget that – no matter what this team does, understanding the structure of that Mastiff tournament and and we had I was talking to you about this too, like behind the scenes I'm like I think I'm gonna do this, like what do you what are your thoughts and we had a discussion about it and I think we were both on the same page I like for this structure, slam dunk just a slam awesome. dunk right it was such a smart it was one of the smarter things. I, I shouldn't even that say I'll this. Ever I, say. Don't, I, don't, I don't want it to be. I don't want it to be public that I'm saying Rob did one of the smartest things. But I, I think it was kind of the theme of the show is you know like of course players are, are important and everything. But uh, shout out to my good friend Jordan Cooper, uh, Blender HD from Roto Grinders in the the DFS space. He also was big in poker, but uh, he always says for anybody that knows him, lineups not players. Um, and he also talks a lot about right the specific contests. Um, and in DFS, you know, it's a lot small field versus large field. And in best ball, we have some of that, but in best ball, it has a lot more, of course it has to do with small field versus large field, but also the advancement structure. And in particular, the Mastiff that you drafted was like the absolute perfect example to do exactly what you did. And yet most people would still never, ever, ever do it because it's so hard to just actually do once you get into that draft. Right. And it's like, I'm putting a thousand dollars and I'm only drafting one quarterback. What if he gets hurt? Yeah. It's like, well, if we, Patrick Mahomes gets hurt, you're, you're probably fucked anyway. That's you know, like, it, yeah, it, it's probably over. But still, it's like, yeah, but I could advance. I could get my money. Right. That, that's, but that's the human, that's the human psychology of all this. It's like, mm-hmm. yeah, but if Mahomes gets, gets hurt in like week 11, do I want to lose a thousand bucks? You know, cause I could still get my thousand bucks back. And it's like, yeah, but like if he stays healthy, you're gonna get you're gonna get that thousand bucks anyway, and now you got a real shot to win this thing. And your team in particular has a real shot to win this thing and got the thousand bucks back because you you know this is the other part. It's a little bit right. You could have easily drafted Zamir White or or whatever on that team, but you dra- that's the point. You, you gave yourself a shot to find Kyron. You gave yourself right. a shot to find the right picks, and the only thing you can do is give yourself a chance. That like that's it, that's the the hard part of the human psychology is like you got to push back on the fear of the risk and give yourself a chance to find the home run, 
and you did and you did it in the right tournament and you played it perfectly and that's like a shining example of how you should play this game but it also shows you i mean just go read the comments in that on those youtube videos and you'll see the competition you're playing against and i'm not trying to call anybody out in particular because i can't even remember who said what but it shows you the level of thinking that goes into tournament selection and what you're doing in particular tournaments we're all i think we're all guilty of it to an extent here and there where our brain goes to the ten dollar DraftKings, the best ball mania and we're like this is the way i'm playing it i i need to draft because of this and that was my weekly winners problem i think in general so i think we all do it but i think if you're gonna play different types of tournaments you really, really, really need to understand that structure of that particular tournament and understand the type of teams you should be drafting in them. And that's that's a big takeaway. For, I mean, I've known it since, you know, the first year, since I drafted like seven teams. After I drafted <laughs> those seven teams, there's a lot of things I did wrong. It was some of the first talking points that you and other people brought up is like understanding the structure of your team. But, and knowing your contest, but I think that every year you can find ways to help understand that even more, right? We have to be. Yep, dude. If you're not learning more as you do something, stop doing it. If you can't learn anymore for the thing that you're doing, or you refuse to learn anymore, you need to stop doing it that moment because <laughs> you are not giving yourself the opportunity to do better in it. Like you're just not. So I, I think that. That's going to be a big takeaway for me. There's a few other things, but that one in particular is going to be something because I want to play all these different tournaments, right? I love the eliminator tournaments. What's the right way to draft for that? I had a fun team like for a while, but like what what is a right structure for that? It's not drafting one quarterback because you're dead. So right. so that's the inverse of that whole thing that we just talked about. So I, I just think that that's something I want to focus on a little bit more next year and making sure I'm in the right mind frame to draft those particular teams from different formats. It, 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 isn't it like a big part of it does have to do with like as sad as it is like that mindset is like, I ha it's, it's so laborious. The summer is like, it's fun. We all love the drafting, but at the end of the day, you're like, <laughs> it's a freaking, it's a grind dude. Like it's, uh, you you got to show up and draft several teams every single day for months and months and months with certain goals in mind but like balancing all these different goals can be very difficult to do you know what i mean and like what 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 do you think is like a a lesson that you took away from like that now that we're near the end, right? Is there anything that's popped out to you from like over the course of that whole summer, I fell into this trap. Like you talked about like the JS, JSN thing, but I found myself like, just like, like you said, drafting the same players and same structures and stuff like not because I didn't know better, but just because like, I don't know when I go to walk the dogs and I pop up a draft on my phone, it's like, I don't know. I'm distracted. And like, mm -hmm. I don't know, you know, oh, I need another quarterback, take them. And it's like, did I, did I think about the tournament that I'm in? Did I think about my portfolio? Did I think about my exposure? Did I think about the players that fit on this team? No, no, I didn't. I just clicked the buttons. Right. And like, I, I, I'm trying to think about how to be better about that. basically. Yeah. And there's certain things that I'm hoping that me, you and hacker can work out behind the scenes to add to our spike week tools for when we're drafting that 
like just dawned on me over because this is what I, I mean dude we think about this shit nonstop. like believe it or not we really do so i was texting I, I, you and hacker what a month ago being like here's some tools that i would like to see on the thing because i think it will elevate my game and i think that there's no way i can ever draft 150 lineups at my computer it's impossible like Correct. it's just never going to happen and yet i still don't think i'd made a, a point enough to draft them at my computer this year the amount that i should have been drafting so using tools available to us right seeing player percentages seeing stacking options and all that stuff like we know it in our head but actually seeing it sometimes helps you understand like that combo stuff imagine seeing that every single time seeing that you have this player with your first round pick like it it made me change who i took on certain drafts you know while i was doing it on the computer you saw it live on stream sometimes like i'm like oh wait i don't have this guy at all with this guy even though i like drafting both of them so you know what i mean like it's it's all about understanding how to play better and i think for me that is something I really want to strive to do next year is make sure that I'm using the tools available to me more. It doesn't mean I'm going to draft a hundred teams with the tools, but a third, if we're, if we're, if we're being honest with ourselves, 50 over the course of three months, I can make that happen. Right. Yep. So that's, I don't know. What about you? Are you, is there anything you're looking the that, that that's a that's a very good one because like i said i draft when i'm walking the dogs and cooking dinner and all that kind of stuff and you can't like sit down at your workstation or whatever uh mm -hmm. and and, and do that but definitely um making a point because like you said I, I think it's hard to describe and you know folks that are watching and or listening that have uh the draft hacker can can speak to exactly like what you said you learn things while you're in the draft and make smart informed decisions while you're in that draft that you wouldn't otherwise make that make your teams better that make your portfolio better that you're just like you said sitting on your couch watching you know the baseball game or cooking dinner or walking the dogs or whatever you just wouldn't make that because your human brain can't process all that information that quickly. Right. And yeah. Imagine, can, imagine seeing that you have 16% George Kittle and 12% Jalen hurts. But when you look and you're getting to that point, you're like, Oh shit, I have 16% Kittle. I don't want to draft anymore. But then you see, you don't have them with Jalen hurts. Right. Right. Like, you learn. So I, I feel like when I used and shout out to Jonathan says he can't draft without the hacker. You learn something in every single draft. I feel like, and mm -hmm. this is coming from drafting a thousand teams. So I went through a thousand times. And every time I sat down and drafted with the hacker, I was like, wait, I, I don't have this guy with my second round pick. Cause like my, my settings was a lot of the player combination stuff. Like you, you mentioned. Um, and for anybody that doesn't know the draft hacker, uh, there's a link in the description, but when, when you draft, right, you can set up the custom settings there are so many settings now I can't even like so many customizable options to see on your screen while you're drafting. I can't even, I, 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 we built it. I can't even keep track of how many are on there. 
but it is so powerful. And also you can have it help you how you want to be helped. Right. 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 Like I wanted to be helped with all the player combination type stuff. I wanted to know who I have with my first round pick, who I have with my second round pick, right. Who I have with my quarterbacks, who I have with those kinds of things, because I want to see exactly like what Rob said. I want to see when I get to the seventh round, am I subconsciously without knowing taking that seventh round, that same seventh round guy, I may like four seventh rounders, but I take the same seventh round guy every time with my first round pick, right? All my Tyreek teams have whatever seventh round pick, right? And like, there may be a reason that I may want that Bateman or Dobbins, right? They play in week 17. Maybe Dobbins is on all my Tyreek teams, but do I want him on every team? (laughs) But I just keep, because we're, we talk about, we've talked, we talk a lot about the levers that you pull right during drafts. The correlation is one of those levers. So Dobbins is one of my favorite players. The Ravens are one of my favorite teams. I'm a little bit more of a zero RB drafter, so he might be my first running back. And he correlates. I take lots of Tyreek. I take lots of Waddle. It's like, yeah, when you're walking the dogs, it's like Mm -hmm. you're thinking about those levers in real time, and you're like, oh, yeah, Dobbins, dude. Easy. Don't have a running back yet. I got Tyreek. Boom, Dobbins. Easy game. When you sit down at your your computer and you pull up the hacker and you're like, oh my god, ninety percent of my Tyreek teams, yeah. <laughs> have that happens because I'm because I'm just I'm doing that. I'm going through the I'm going through that process, running, going you know, going up that ladder. I'm like, okay, need a running back. Loved J- J.K. Dobbins is my highest ranked player. Correlates with Tyreek. Boom, click every time. Just auto click every time. And then you sit down and you're like, okay, I love J.K. Dobbins. Every Tyreek team might be a little bit. Uh, I might be taking this a little bit, a little bit, right. and maybe you want that, right? And that's totally fine. I, but that's up for you to decide. And you, there's no way to figure it out unless unless you're using that. And so, obviously, we're we're talking about uh, the tools that we have built. So you know, it feels like a little bit of a sales pitch, but honestly, it is as a best ball player, build your own fucking tool for all I care. But do this, like you should, you should evaluate your teams in real time of all that kind of stuff. This is an awesome question slash comment yeah. uh, uh, from, from, from Joey that says, do you feel the uncertainty of Jacobs, Josh Jacobs and Jonathan Taylor with their contract situation, Saquon to a much lesser extent, but Saquon to a lesser extent uh, made you draft different. And yes, for me, it, it absolutely did. Jonathan Taylor in particular, I didn't budge on Josh Jacobs, uh, which is funny. Cause I don't, Maybe he was the one I should have budged on. I don't know. Uh, although my best BBM team, literally highest scoring BBM team, has, has Josh, Josh Jacobs on it. Um, shout out to me. Rest for, in peace. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, nothing, nothing more triggering than going through. You know, you're like you're below average advance rate. All your players are dead or inactive on game days. Um, you know, Sam Howell's about to have a bye, so you know you're going to lose some more <laughs> some more teams. And you're like, let's look at my good ones. Let, let's. Let's be glass half full for a few seconds and look at them. And the very first one you pull up is has <laughs> the second round pick you literally never wanted on any yeah. any single any single team. But to Joey's point, it, it was Josh Jacobs. I'm curious how you uh, feel about this question because I think it's a really good one, and I, I think most people would be lying to themselves if they said that that bizarre situation of really three kind of uh workhorse slam dunk whatever you want to call it talented running backs that probably four years ago would have been first round picks all of them in fantasy were falling 
because of the contract uncertainty and the weird uncertainty during that running back time. And um, I didn't budge on, on Jacobs. I didn't really budge on Saquon either. I feel good about that one. Um, mm-hmm. But I did budge on Jonathan Taylor and I started to take quite a bit of Jonathan Taylor and I don't know. I, I don't have, I, I haven't processed that. It's a great question because I haven't processed how I feel about it just yet. Um, I think about a month ago, I would have said, I feel awesome for uh, <laughs> pivoting to take a bunch of JT. I don't know if that's actually how I feel, especially now. Cause uh, um, he's out, but um, I don't have a great, I don't have a great answer, but I, I will, I will say it definitely made me draft differently for sure. That uncertainty was difficult to deal with. Yeah, it was. So I would pivot this. I know it asks specifically about Jacobs and Taylor. I was out on Jacobs no matter what. He could have signed 15 years ago and had his contract going. I wasn't drafting Josh Jacobs <laughs> in the second round this year. It just wasn't happening. Or third round. I loved him in the eighth round the year before, but I was not taking Josh Jacobs at that price tag. The Taylor one is interesting, and I would pivot Jacobs' name to Cooper Cup post the injury that he sustained. Yeah. And so the two that really altered my drafting was Taylor and cup. And I got scared of both heavily. The, the cup thing in particular really scared me. I thought it wasn't getting talked about enough going to see a specialist over a hamstring just never made sense to me. You know, it could end up burying me. I think it ended up working out because he lot, he missed more games, but it doesn't mean the process was good. And that's the same for Taylor. There was so much uncertainty with Taylor, not just with the contract. We were talking about, I remember specifically talking about, he couldn't even walk at practice like half the time early in the year. So I'm like, dude, this guy can't walk. He doesn't have a contract. They're trying to trade him for Jalen Waddle, which is never going to (laughs) happen. Like, what is this he's on, situation? He's on, he's on the block. We would like a, a one of the top five wide receivers in the NFL, please. Yeah, for Jonathan Taylor. Yeah, I, I would say the one thing it changes for me is I was steadfast on there's no way he's going back to the Colts. Like this is like this is not reconcilable. Like they are just they're not going to see eye to eye. He's gone from the Colts at at a minimum, right? And it just shows you that. Money just talks in the NFL, man. Like every situation is fixed with a little bit of this. So I'll never have that. I still don't know how I would have felt because of the injury. Look, I'm getting bailed out because of it. He went down again. I'm getting completely bailed out on this Jonathan Taylor thing. I take full acknowledgement of that. I got bailed out on Taylor. I probably got bailed out on Cooper Cup quite a bit this year. I had more Cup than Taylor, but. I wasn't taking him during that dip. And I think the cup thing in particular was a mistake because of the teams you could have constructed with cup at that point in time. And the Taylor one, I, I think it's so the situation was so outlandish that we're not going to see something overly similar to that again, that I feel fine with the fade overall, but it still was probably bad process wise if that makes i know that's like me middling it to it to a degree <laughs> but it's it just it's just such a weird situation with taylor this year that when are we going to see that again realistically i think yeah with the this, injury this, too with the injury this, too and the exactly thing. this is this is another good one uh and shout out to joey for a good question i'm definitely going to think a lot a lot more about but i think that um 
it's one where again there, there's definitely no right no right or wrong like cooper cup was falling to the second round uh in drafts jonathan taylor was falling to the the third late third fourth whatever and then of course he goes on ir right away afterwards uh to, to make you feel like you're you're uh having good process and then he goes immediately on IR is a real uh, another kick to the groin add it to the list uh, that that the never ending this is Santa's list of all the kids the, the kids toys uh, same same length as all of the kicks to the groin from the best ball gods this year but I think you you can make the case that says look this is Cooper Cup all, using our projections and most projections that I know from a single game standpoint projected as the number one more better than Justin Jefferson, better than Jamar chase. Now there were reasons he went after them uh, as we've now seen, but from a, and, and the, the single funniest part, sorry, all these things pop into my mind as we start to talk through all this stuff, which is what makes this game so fun. But it's an, it's one of those where uh, we talked earlier about how like last year, Javante and Brees this year, Dobbins, like you were probably right, but you ended up wrong. Cooper cup, I heard tons of, well, Stafford's old and can't stay healthy. And so I can't take, you know, I, I can't, I can't take cup here. I got to take Kelsey over him or whatever. Right. Or, or of course, CMC or, or Tyreek. I got to take cause Stafford can't stay healthy. And it's like, well, actually I know Stafford missed a game, but like Stafford's been fine. And Stafford's bawling the fuck out by the way, uh, for, for the Rams. He is as good as ever. Uh, it's cup that can't, that can't, that can't stay healthy. So you were actually wrong. But you got it. You, you got it right uh, with the with the player. But if you just say this guy's been going in the top five ish all year, and he's plummeting because of this news, I'm going to ignore all the signs and ignore all the maybe good logic about the injury and all that, and just say you're never going to be able to build a team like this with Cooper Cup over the course of this tournament ever again. Right. And I'm just going to do it. I'm just going to take him with all these unique combinations, right? Like, obviously he hasn't hit, but imagine the CD lamb Cooper cup teams, right? Imagine mm-hmm. the AJ Brown Cooper cup teams. Imagine Christian McCaffrey Cooper cup or whatever combination. If Cooper cup was just Cooper cup at, we would all be like, Oh my God, yeah. throw, underdog uh, at support, support at <laughs> underdog throw throw those drafts out please because that's not they, they you gave them Christian McCaffrey and Cooper Cup that's not fair that sh- they should have been the one two right but we would be thinking about that Jonathan Taylor is a little bit similar this is one of if not the best running back in the entire NFL plummeting because of this weird crazy uncertainty and like you would you just and I did do this I just said I'm just taking a man like late third like sometimes there was a, a handful of times early fourth JT, I'm like, I get it. I, I get he's walking like a grandpa. I get I get all this other stuff, but I, I'm i never going to be able to get this opportunity again, ever. Like maybe in yeah. best ball ever. So I'm just going to take it. Those ended up wrong, but that was the results. Were they wrong? I don't know. I, I don't know. I, I don't have the right answer, and I don't have the answer to whether it was right or wrong, but I think those are really fun kind of conversations to shout out to uh, Joey for asking. What I will say, and I won't take a lot of time saying it, is if it's just contract-related, it's never going to stop me from signing a player. Like, nine out of ten times, it's just going to be fine. I, I mean, who was who was the 
main guy that sat out this year, Chris Jones from the Chiefs, and he sat out one game. One game. Right? I mean, come on. And he and he's old. Yeah. And he's old. JT's young, you know. JT and Saquon are younger. Chris Jones, yeah. Chris Jones like 30 or something, right? That's why I still drafted Saquon here and there. I was still underway because I didn't like the Giants at all this year. But um if it's just contract, there's just no way that I'm gonna let that get in the way of drafting guy. And if it starts to get some in the fall, then yeah. Um, really quickly before we wrap, just this uh, comment from Olaf mate, re- um, reminded me. Uh, we'll talk a little bit more about this tomorrow, because um, I want to talk about some guys we're you know looking forward to as the playoffs start to approach. But uh, Olaf mentions Purdy was a steal all year. Uh, definitely was. Uh, that is that is for certain, uh, but I think uh, that triumphant, trium, triumphant, triumphant, uh, Shroud, Purdy, Howell is like one of those kind of like linchpins of the of the season. It's really funny, like you mentioned. Like I know Dak and Tua are awesome. There, it, it's this weird <laughs> it's quarterback. Yeah. What a mindfuck quarterback is this year. Yeah. You have the elites doing the elite things, and then you have Dak and Tua. In mm-hmm. that middle eighth round, ninth round, or whatever, and then you have these these dudes at the back, Purdy, Stroud, and Howell, and like you don't want anybody else. <laughs> no. Like those are the only dudes you want, right? Throw all even the healthy guys. Don't want Stafford. Don't want like you don't want any of these other guys. You only want those guys. Um, but was there any? Is, is there anything that's just like just generally? We got a month left of the the best ball season that you're just like these are the things when I start to scroll through my teams, I'm like, please, you know, give me that. Or do how much of, or like when I go to draft IQ, right? Like I, I was searching Tajay, you mentioned, uh, mm-hmm. you know, Derek Henry has, I'm like, and I have a lot, I have a lot of Tajay, but I'm like, how many advanced, how many Tajay teams am I advancing? Or like, or how many teams are close, mm-hmm. right? Like how many, you know, we have the, in draft IQ, uh, for those that don't subscribe, you can see how many teams are within 20 points of, of advancing. And, uh, I, that's what I was like, oh my God, Derek Henry's out. Like, cause Ty J can be like that final boost, right? He mm-hmm. can be that guy that helps to set you over the edge. So he, he was one that really jumped out to me that I'm excited about, but was there anybody that jumped out to you? Um, I would say that the biggest thing I was looking for, this is going to kind of like alter your question a little bit, dude, do you know how tough it was to have to root for the 49ers against the Eagles yesterday for me? <laughs> But we had to root for it for best ball teams because if the Eagles won yesterday, your Eagles players are dead week 17. No, hold on. I'm cutting you off. We didn't have to root for it. Some of us are rooting for the only out we have to Rashad Penny being relevant this entire best ball season. <laughs> That's fair. That is fair. The Sorry only way Rashad I was Penny. the only the only way Rashad Penny was ever going to be relevant was that the Eagles just won out. So I was tilting Brock Purdy and Debo just carving up the Eagles. Yeah. Um, so I mean, like that was the main thing I was looking at yesterday. I'm like. I hate watching this game because I grew up like as a Patriots and an Eagles fan. I got into football because of Randall Cunningham from the Eagles. And it's just, it hurt. And I'm, and I'm not a fan like I used to be, but still I don't want to actively root for my teams to lose unless it's for draft pick purposes. Shout out to the Patriots. And (laughs) I had a root for the fucking 49ers to win yesterday. And that sucked. 
<laughs> it sucked, but we did it. We got the 49ers win, and now all of our teams, that AFC is a mess. All your AFC players are alive throughout the playoffs. Yeah, no worried about you. Know, you there's no worrying about rest for the AFC. Yeah, and the NFC, as long as the, the 49ers keep winning games, the NFC is not a problem either for the most part. So we're going to have all our players active. It's looking like things change. Foul. I haven't but, um, I haven't looked I haven't looked at the schedule. The only like possible remaining thing to even think about is the situation we had last year w- with the Jags, where yeah. the Jags have um, nothing to point. play for in seventeen, but they have something to play for in eighteen. Uh, I, I'm thinking mostly that division actually, like yeah. Texans, Jags could have that something along those lines again, yeah. uh, and uh, <laughs> NFC South. It's so bad. It's so, so bad. bad. Do we have to have a just relegate some teams out of that? Like we don't. I, do we have to have an NFC South team? Because it's going to be the Falcons. You know the Falcons are going to make the playoffs, which is disgusting. Desmond Ritter should be contractually obligated to never start an <laughs> NFL playoff game. But at uh, home, yeah, at home, he's literally going to play at home against the Cowboys in <laughs> round one. <laughs> Uh, but that one, but they could have nothing in week seven because they're only playing for the yeah. not going to make, they're not going to win the wild card. Yeah. So that's a good point. Um, but for the most part, teams that I would normally be worried about that I was drafting heavily, like I wasn't drafting Atlanta. I mean, other than Drake, uh, I, Drake London. we're recording during Monday night football here. We're about to get out of here so everybody can go watch actual Monday night football instead yeah, of the pregame us. show. Monday night, Monday night best ball. But shout out Shuby. Uh shout out to the Bengals. Actually, they said this week that they need to see what they have in Chase Brown. They basically know their season is over and uh, they need to see if Chase Brown is going to be a part of the future because certainly Joe Mixon is not a part right. of the future. And we I don't have the game on uh, yet. And apparently Chase Brown is playing ahead of Joe Mixon. I have had now three people text me, is Joe Mixon not playing? <laughs> like, LOL That's Mixon. Awesome. I have LOL Mixon. Is Mixon not playing? LOL Mixon uh, is the, my messages. But uh, so, yeah, uh, we'll talk. We'll maybe be talk talking a lot more about yeah. Chase Brown um, tomorrow. So join us tomorrow. Same time. And afterwards tomorrow, you can uh, go watch some hometown ghost stories with Rob and uh, – uh, see some more ghosts other than just your best ball teams. Other than we'll your see, best ball teams. <laughs> we will we will see you guys tomorrow. Peace. Peace. Ooh, those were some spicy takes. Want to stay up to date with all of the other spicy takes we're going to have over here at Spike Week? Why don't you press that subscribe button below? You turn notifications on. We draft a team. Boom. You know about it. We have another spicy take. Boom, you know about it. You can be there. You can draft with us. You want to stay up to date? That's how you do it. All right, we'll catch you later next time here at Spike Week.